Welcome to this The Rainbow Connection, our Muppets retrospective podcast. I am Mackenzie Easton. I am Nathan Bertram. And we are going through the long and fascinating history of the Muppets franchise. Just kind of cause. I mean, I like the Muppets. Nathan? The Muppets are wonderful. Yes, the Muppets are wonderful. We're not like super fans or anything, but... No, but we did grow up with the Muppets and we have lots of nostalgic connections to various Muppets properties. And it's one of those franchises that there's a lot to dig into once you really look at it. And uh, we're both kind of media fanatic types, so it seems like a good fit. Uh, Plus, we got multiple signs from the podcasting gods, uh, as in every podcast we listened to after coming up with this idea mentioned the Muppets in, like, quick succession. So it's a sign, and we have to do it. Yeah, the Muppets is just super unique as a property. Yeah, it's probably the weirdest thing that Disney owns now, but... Like, as a franchise, I think the Muppets is one of the most singularly unique things in cinema. It's like the only remnant of, like, this deep art form of puppetry that, like, was wildly popular for hundreds and hundreds of years. And, like, the only thing anybody knows now is Muppets. And maybe Punch and Judy if you're British or a weirdo. So for this episode, we are going to discuss the 1999 Muppet movie, Muppets from Space. That classic among classics. Widely regarded as just all right. Yes, fine. Yeah. The reason we picked this one as our start is because we're both like 90s kids. We were born in the 90s. I was uh, later, but... This is the one we both owned on VHS and watched the oh, we most. We got it from the library regularly on on VHS. Uh, yeah, I was born in 1990, so when this came out, I would have been turning nine years old, which is pretty much the prime audience yeah, for this I, movie. I had an older brother who would have been eight, and we just had a lot of stuff that was... Like, I played an N64 and had Pokemon Crystal and, like, a bunch of these 90s things that I'm, like, five years too young for, but that's what I'm used to. Living in rural Saskatchewan, like, leaves you in a weird generational spot. (laughs) Uh, So that's the Muppets property that I grew up with. Like, I didn't even have the Muppets Christmas Carol, which you had. Ah, yes. I do not even remember when we started watching the Muppets Christmas Carol. That's for another episode. And I can talk about my Christmas Carol woes uh, at another time. So Muppets from Space, 1999. Uh, A really weird one for Muppet movies, because it's not... A direct, like, parody or, like, adaptation of something, like Treasure Island or Christmas Carol. Brief summary, Gonzo doesn't know what he is. 
he starts getting messages from some outside force asking, are you there? And to watch the sky. And then there is a UFO conspiracy television show that Miss Piggy is interning on. And he goes to the studio and goes on TV declaring that he is an alien. And the... He gets kidnapped. Gets There's a government agency agency called Covenant that kidnaps him because Jeffrey Tambor playing... This is a joke that isn't even verbalized in the movie, I think, but he's playing a character named K. Edgar Singer. I did not. That's also Jeffrey Tambor, but, you know... This was a while ago, so we'll have to live with it. Kind of sleepwalking through this movie anyway. Yeah, I think he's going for a monotone government guy thing, and it just comes off like he doesn't care. Yeah. Um, Or maybe he just can't act off puppets, like some people can't. That's possible. Jeffrey Tambor plays this, like government agent who's eager to prove that aliens exist even though his superiors don't believe him and like he consistently fails to bring them proof so he kidnaps gonzo to prove that aliens exist and then the other muppets have to stage a prison break to get him and rizzo out of the government facility one of the three running plot lines is a shawshank slash one flew over the cuckoo's nest so halfway through this movie it turns into a prison break movie. Rizzo went with him to the government agency uh, and he gets put in a test facility for test rats, which is just also going on at this building. It's some kind of general secret government lab and there's a like psychopathic scientist who's like torturing these sentient rats, which is messed up. It's It's straight up torture. And then Rizzo like digs a hole through the wall, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption style, and all the rats escape. He escapes with his lab rat friends. They help Gonzo get out. They meet up with the other Muppets, and Gonzo has received a message from a sandwich that his alien family is going to land at the beach that night, and they need him to be there. So, so they, go. they go to the beach and they a bunch of hippies. meet this massive crowd of people outside the lighthouse because they all heard the story that the aliens were going to be there. Uh, Gonzo's family shows up. They sing, um, celebrate. celebrate. Good times. Come, Come on. It's a big musical number. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor shows up with a big gun and threatens to kill Gonzo and then gets taken as the ambassador to their planet. Because the aliens think he's funny, they declare him ambassador from Earth to their planet. Gonzo is offered a like honored position in their community and to come home with them and he decides no. His home is with the Muppets and he says goodbye to his family and they go up into space and that's the movie. Yeah, it is never resolved why the heck Gonzo just ended up on this beach on Earth that they seem to have found him on. Apparently, this is not something that I think read in the movie, but apparently he's supposed to have landed outside Roswell, New Mexico. Oh, Okay, the, that, that's like where they found him. Okay, in, like the only piece of like information that I understood f- to be like where they found Gonzo is a very sad picture they have framed 
and like set up on the mantle of their like house of him sad alone on a beach <laughs> which I don't think there's any beaches on Roswell because New Mexico so okay that's interesting that makes sense but it's weird that like <laughs> it's not explained at all like they're not like yeah maybe that detail is apocryphal but i read that that's supposed to be the case is that he was like the thing that landed in roswell okay that's fine so yeah he decides to stay with his earth family which is sweet they do say like see you later as they leave so like they'll probably come back they'll be chill long-distance relationship or whatever. So anyway, this movie is unique for a few reasons, but we can get into that later if we want to just talk about our opinions of the movie first and then maybe get into some of the background a little bit later. Yeah, sure. I like this movie. It's not the best movie I've ever seen, but it is... It's a solid little comedy. Watching it, something that struck me is that, like, people blame... Uh, like DreamWorks for the like pop culture referency like push in kids movies, but this movie is littered with random pop culture references, and it's ninety nine, so it's pre Shrek. Yeah, it's also got like a seventies jazz funk soundtrack, which is super weird, but I love it. It's a great soundtrack. Yeah. But the other thing that this movie doesn't have is musical numbers. The closest it gets is everybody sings, like, the last three lines of Brick House, which is yeah. super weird. So I like this movie. It's a bit odd. Uh, I do miss the musical numbers, because I'm a musical theater nerd and a half. But uh, I also love sci-fi a lot, and this is, like... A weird combination of the Muppets and a science fiction movie. Uh, what's your take, Nathaniel? Yeah, I like it. It's a solid sort of BC-tier comedy. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of lightweight for a Muppet movie, but I think people are probably too harsh on it for not being the like shining example of Muppetry that the previous movies were, which is like one of the main things that you see in reviews of this movie is that like, it's not as good as the other Muppet movies. But I think on its own, it's still funny. And I like what they did with the character of Gonzo. Like his journey is really emotionally resonant by the end like they do something that i think is genuine and pretty moving with having him meet his like alien birth family and still decide that the muppets are where he belongs yeah like found family is a common theme of the muppet franchise and this movie is really like, in the end, focused on that. Uh, I do think it's having a hard time deciding whether or not it really wants to have a plot, which is, like, a common problem for a comedy like this, but, like, is more apparent in this one because the plot is, like, really heavy. Like, Gonzo gets kidnapped yeah. by the government and aliens might be invading. Like, it's serious stuff. It does feel like it's kind of meandering between the major plot points, and it doesn't necessarily know what to do with itself in between those. For what it 
like it wants is Gonzo feels like an outcast in his fa- like in Earth, and he doesn't know what he is. Which normally Gonzo is like super proud of being weird, but I guess this is like you know like a prequel for his emotional growth. It's fine. It's an interesting way of taking his character for a change. So he wants like the movie wants him to feel outcast, and then see that his real family that has loved him the way he is the whole time is the Muppets. But they're separated for most of the movie. So it's kind of hard for them to show support. And, like, the only one who consistently does, or the only two who consistently do are Rizzo and Kermit. Uh, And putting Gonzo as the star is great, because Gonzo is, like, every small child's favorite Muppet, because he's weird like most like children pick gonzo and then like as they age a little bit they pick other muppets as their favorites but like normally it's kermit kermit's the everyman so it's it's another thing that makes this movie very different how do you feel about the like main character choice I like that they decided to give Gonzo a movie. I think he's consistently one of the better Muppets characters, um, despite being kind of the straight man a lot of the time, but... Gonzo <laughs> chickens and launches himself out of cannons. I don't know what... I mean, okay. in relation to the other Muppets. I'm not Kermit. It's the straight... I, Kermit, Kermit yeah. Ralph. Kermit is more of the straight man. Kermit and Ralph uh, are straight men. I concede the point. Yes, I'm right on this one. Uh, Gonzo is... I mean, the other thing that's a bit weird, and I mentioned this very early on. So the movie starts off with, like... Gonzo dream sequence, which is very funny. Where it's great. F. Murray Abraham plays Noah, and he refuses to let Gonzo on the Ark because he's one of a kind, and there needs to be two of everything to go on the Ark. And then he, he closes the door to the Ark, and then he opens it again. It gives Gonzo a tiny umbrella. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great hilarious. Opener. Probably pretty expensive production-wise, too. Oh, yeah. It has, like, a full-size, like, arc facsimile set. Yeah, And a great. bunch of puppet animals. It's amazing. So after the great uh, Noah's Ark opening joke, it's like, all of the Muppets in this house they all live in, I guess, which I don't think that's in any of the other movies, where all of the Muppets just live together in this, like boarding house situation. I have in my notes Muppet Commune. Yeah, there's a Muppet Commune, including, like, non-sentient puppet animals. Yes, they keep chickens, which, as we previously discussed, Gonzo. Yeah, that doesn't come up in this particular movie. Like, he's not concerned about leaving his, like, chicken wife behind at all. So clearly this is, like... But, like... All of his clothing has chicken patterning on it, so it's, like, alluded to, but not specifically referenced. But, like, there's also cows and sheep just wandering around the house, which is, I mean, like, they're just using all the puppets, but it's, like, a weird element. But the weird element I was trying to get to is, so the whole movie is based around, what is Gonzo? And the thing they come down on is an alien. Which is great. I, good as a premise. But 
they show Sweetums in like the first 10 minutes of this movie. So it's very weird that nobody else is bringing up like, well, we don't know what he is either. Yeah, it's a little bit weird to base a movie around what is Gonzo without acknowledging that there are like half a dozen other Muppets that are also just bonkers designs. Yeah, like Sweetums is the only one that I think is in this movie that's clearly not any kind of animal or something. But I mean, even like animal. Yeah, animal. He's, I guess, human? Question mark? But also not really. Animal, I hadn't thought. (laughs) Animal is... An animal is the only thing. I love Animal. He's great. Animal's fabulous. Another one of my favorite jokes is in this sequence after the Brick House musical number where we see all of the puppets. Gonzo comes down for breakfast late and Kermit is there and he's like, Gonzo, didn't you have a gig at that bar mitzvah today? And then he's like, oh, it's fine. Electric Mayhem is covering for me. (laughs) And the Electric Mayhem walks out wearing, like, Orthodox Jewish clothing and singing Havanagila and pushing a cannon through the kitchen. And it's absurd and amazing. It's especially funny when Animal... (laughs) What is Animal? What is Sweetums? Like, it's a thing in a lot of Muppet slash Sesame Street productions that, like, monsters are just, like, a race of people that exist. So, like, anything that isn't clearly something else is that, right? Like, that's kind of a thing. Like, Elmo is a monster, and, like, a bunch of the the Muppets, Grover, like, you know, the Sesame Street characters. Uh, But, like, the Muppets... Is less clear about that because it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter anyways, but if you're going to make a movie based around it, it's a bit weird. Uh, did you have any other standout jokes you wanted to highlight? I'm going through my list right now. One of the best jokes in the movie, the team of Muppets are going to break into the facility and, and they're outside the facility looking for a way in past the guards and Fozzie looks over and he's like we could just ask those nice men with the guns that's a good one the guard is Ray Liotta yes Ray Liotta is there as the like gatekeeper outside the facility celebrity cameos later yes we will definitely talk about those cameos I'm trying to think of what, like, one of my favorite jokes was. I found it funny that they left Bunsen and Beaker just, like, at a gas station. Like, he was part of the crew, but they, like, forgot him there. That's another great one. They're driving the Muppets van to to the... cement factory that the government facility is disguised as and Kermit is delivering a big speech about how they don't leave any of their family behind and they're gonna rescue Gonzo and then Fozzie who's driving <laughs> like looks back at them and he's like we left Beaker and Bunsen at the gas station and then it cuts to them and they're just standing in the parking lot outside the gas station with an armful of snacks it's a good one uh 
There's a weird bit when Gonzo is first being interrogated at the government facility where they're strongly queer coding Gonzo. Like, or no, it's earlier when he's like first communicating with the celestial. <laughs> this is another good one. When he like is trying to figure out the message that it was sent to him in his breakfast cereal, he like ends up communicating in space with these all-powerful beings that are fish. They're just big fish in space. Yes, They're the called cosmic the cosmic knowledge fish. The cosmic knowledge fish. <laughs> Which is so weird that I like it. But when he comes back, there's a like weird queer coding joke where he's like, oh, actually it makes sense. I've always had alien tendencies. <laughs> He's, like, coming out as an alien. There are a couple moments where it almost veers into a queer metaphor, but it never really settles on that. I mean, like, the whole of the Muppets is effectively a queer metaphor. Um, I mean, Miss Piggy's a drag queen, and everybody else is, like, a bunch of weird performer dudes who live in this house together. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a bit of a weird one. Uh, The Cosmic Fish. Obviously, it was a great one. They're introducing all of these, like, gadgets to break into the, like, facility. And I was just like, why don't we just have, like, a Muppet spy movie straight up? Because that would be funny. But they've done, like, half two half Muppet spy movies. This one and uh, Muppets Most Wanted has, like, a good chunk of it. It's like a spy thriller. Uh, so it's like they want to, but they never get around to it. I would be on board for, like, a straight-up James Bond-style Muppets movie. Oh, right. Uh, th- one of the other best jokes, they are invisible and sneaking into the facility, and uh, the- there's a guard smoking outside with a gun and another guard next to him, and Fozzie says, Smoking's bad for you, you know, <laughs> as they're sneaking past, and the guard who is smoking looks over and says, Bob, I didn't know you cared. And like puts the cigarette out and it's just like... Such a good joke. So funny, adorable, and very funny. There are a lot of one-off lines in the movie that are really funny, even if the movie itself doesn't hold together super well. Yeah, there are some really weird and vaguely uncomfortable ones, though, occasionally. Yeah, that's also true. Probably just for straight weirdness is the Dawson's Creek reference, which we had to look up. So at, the, at the end of the movie in the crowd at the beach there is uh, two of the cast members from the show Dawson's yeah, Creek. There's like a lot of emphasis put on these two characters that are standing around a fire and talking. Turns out it's young Joshua Jackson and uh, Katie Holmes from Dawson's Creek as their Dawson's Creek characters doing a cameo. It's uncredited, which is weird. Like, I don't know why you would agree to this and not have it credited. Uh, And, like, they're name-dropping Dawson. Yeah, they make a reference to Dawson from Dawson's Creek and how he would have loved to be here for this. But, like, I've never seen that. It's such a weird... Like, what is the target demographic for Muppets from Space? Like, I don't know. Yeah, like, right? nine, ten, probably. They weren't watching Dawson's Creek. So that I one's think it's, good. it's always assumed, I think, that Muppets are going to be watched by, like, a family. kids and, and parents. But, but Dawson's, like, Dawson's Creek, Creek was, was for show. teenagers. Yeah. yeah. 
Like, I guess there was probably a handful of older teenage siblings who felt, I don't know, vaguely vindicated, mostly confused, probably. Like, I don't see who this is aimed at. Uh, there's a really gross uh, bit, unfortunately. Well, it's not really gross, it's just kind of, like, accidentally a gross trope, uh, where animal... Starts off kind of sexually harassing a female guard. I mean, like, not really. He's just kind of chasing her, but he's invisible, so she's, like, really freaking out about it. Yeah. But, that, but like, it reads kind of like that, and they knew that. And then, like, later, she's, like, obsessed with him and doesn't want to let him go, and she's obviously fallen in love with Animal. And it's just, like, you know, it's kind of a... Kind of gross. I mean, like, it's not the biggest deal in the world, obviously. Yeah. I just think it's kind of thoughtlessly put together. As that joke didn't age really well. And the other unfortunate thing is that there's, like, a B-plot in this movie of Miss Piggy trying to take over the job as anchor on UFO Mania. Which is a fine Miss Piggy Which is fine. That's, that's a fine subplot. It's just unfortunate that, like... She is one of two major female characters in the movie. Named female characters. Major is being generous. Yeah, named female characters in the movie. The other being the anchor from UFO Mania, played by Andy McDowell. And the whole subplot revolves around Miss Piggy's trying to steal her job and they get in a cat fight at the end when she gets back from her work trip and they get in a fight over who gets to break the story about the aliens. You also never see them interact before that. Like, there's not a scene at the beginning where it's like Miss Piggy trying to be, like, nice to this lady so that she can suck up to her or something. She literally isn't in the movie Besides, like, video recordings of her until that scene. It does yeah. technically pass the Bechdel test, which I think it's probably going to be, like, a low number of Muppet movies that succeed in that task, just because there's one female Muppet. Yeah, she's either on the news delivering stories about UFOs or being a bitch. I mean, like, she's being about as much of a bitch as Mitch Peggy, like... They're about equal. Um, so that's a bit weird. The other thing that was weird about the animal guard joke, and I feel like this is a good segue into the celebrity cameos, that female guard is Kathy Griffith. Like, huge waste of your... Like, not a... Not a great use of your Kathy Griffin, guys. Like, she's funny. She does, like, three things in this whole movie, and they're not that funny. She's pretty underutilized. Yeah, so if we want to segue into the uh, cameos, um, the beginning of the movie, we have F. Murray Abraham as Noah. Yeah. It's a bit of a weird pull, but it works. Uh, he's great. Loved it. Uh, we also have actor david arquette as the like psycho psychopathic uh scientist who's running all the lab experiments as mentioned before andy mcdowell is the anchor woman uh wasn't the like one of the guards that like comes to initially take gonzo away somebody well are you talking about at the 
no, TV like, studio or at in the studio. at the studio. Yeah, there's uh, Josh Charles plays one of those guards, another uh, like character actor. Uh, I think known mostly for TV. It's one of those cases where you look and you're like, I know that's someone. I've definitely seen them, but he's not like a huge deal. Uh, yeah, Sports Night, The Good Wife, uh, and he was also Knox in Dead Poets Society. Yes, that's yeah. That's what we figured out. Yeah, that's where we knew him from. So it's not like he's a celebrity cameo, really, but like, yeah. it's weird <laughs> when you recognize him. Covered Kathy Griffin. This one is probably the most... Muppets cameo in the movie is uh, Gonzo is taken away to like be tested on and the guard that comes to take him away credited in the movie as Man in Black is Hollywood Hulk Hogan yeah Hulk Hogan but like He's credited as man in black. He's but he, ca- he calls himself Hulk Hogan. He they call him to... Hulk Hogan. Yeah. He calls himself Hulk Hogan. He's dressed as Hulk Hogan, but just in a black suit. And he, like, gives a direct address to the camera, WWE style. Yeah. Uh, but then it cuts to a different angle and everybody's looking at him, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit of a fourth wall joke. It's good. Yeah. When they break into the facility, the guard that Miss Piggy attempts to seduce but ends up just brainwashing is Ray Liotta. Yeah, Ray Liotta, who, honestly, I don't think I've actually seen in a serious movie my two, like, like, understandings of Ray Liotta are this and B-movie. Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta has a really weird place in my psyche, I guess. I think that's a good understanding of the Ray Liotta canon. Yeah, like it's just those two things. I don't know what he's done. I know he's famous for some reason. Yeah. Uh, which actually, Ray Liotta is very funny in his little cameo. Oh, yeah, he's very good. He's like brainwashed into being super chill. Uh, Miss Piggy thing. tries to seduce him to get him to open the gate, and he's just like instantly sees through her and like tries to get her to go away and then she in order to save face because she doesn't want to be embarrassed in front of the other muppets she uses this like spray that like brainwashes someone into doing what you want them to but it just makes him like super friendly and agreeable and he like chats with the muppets as they go through the gate what a nice family what a nice family yeah uh rob schneider shows up as the TV producer of UFO Mania. Yeah, he's there for like one three-second conversation. Uh, another good joke that I didn't mention before, near the end of the movie when the aliens are like coming down, Rizzo is like very scared and he's like praying to God to like spare him and he says that I never carried the plague, not even once. And it's just, I don't know, I thought that was very funny. And then the last ones we already covered, uh, Joshua Jackson and Katie Holmes. I feel compelled to point out Joshua Jackson is Canadian. Ooh, la la. Uh, we are Canadian, in case you we didn't mention that, or our accents didn't give us away. Eh? Are there any, like, small touches that you, like, really enjoyed about this one? Because I got a couple of those. It's the little moments. The little things. Oh, Bobo, definitely. Bobo? Bobo. Bobo the Bear. Bobo the Bear, yes. So Jeffrey Tambor has a like subordinate who is 
Bobo, the Muppet bear, the other bear, not Fozzie. Yeah, but like, he just looks like an actual bear. The weirdly realistic bear. He's just like adorable and like super supportive and enthusiastic. He's kind of cronk. He's yeah, kind of he's a little bit cronky and he's great. He's good. Bobo, A+. Bobo's Love good. Love the Bobo. The jacuzzi. Oh, the jacuzzi part is they, another really good. At one time, because Gonzo knows he's an alien now, but everybody thinks he's nuts, uh, Pepe and Rizzo convince him using a fan, kind of like Back to the Future uh, style while he's asleep, convince him that he needs to build them a jacuzzi. It's, it's, it's a Field of Dreams reference. While Gonzo is asleep, they if talk you through it. the fan and tell him, if you build a jacuzzi, they will come. So he spends the next night like staying up all night building a jacuzzi, which very impressive. It's a very good jacuzzi. He builds a working jacuzzi in one day and then like hosts a big party because he's expecting his alien family to come. It's actually the like last note of the movie is like they're sitting yeah. on the roof, yeah. like reminiscing about the crazy day they've had and Kanto's like, and I still don't get why they made me build that jacuzzi. There's still one thing I don't understand. Why'd they make me build that jacuzzi? <laughs> That's a good little moment. Uh, I really liked the puppet sandwich, the sandwich puppet. That was a good puppet. It's a great puppet. It's just a sandwich, but it just like moves fabulously. And I just loved it. Uh, there's like one lady in the crowd in the like beach scene that's dressed as a TARDIS. Which is, <laughs> yes. I just noticed because I'm a Doctor Who fan. But like she's just prominently in a couple of the shots and it's very funny. The characters in that crowd scene look very 90s. Yeah, it's super 90s. Like Guy Fieri level 90s. I loved the designs of the like other Gonzo, like the Gonzo aliens. It was a good like make them all look unique but still clearly part of the same species uh good variety of like purpley colors and stuff i just thought they were cool i wish we got more of them like they're great puppets i wish they would bring them back sometime because you know they're dope they're fun yeah um there is a, a sad lack of shooting gonzo out of cannons for a gonzo-centered movie it happens once in this whole movie we learn that it's some kind of like race memory yes. that this is this is a thing they do to honor people on their planet yeah, is I, fire them out of a cannon either he like ended up on earth from a like real bad cannon misfire and just vaguely remembers it or like this is some kind of deep race cultural memory thing uh which is weird but it's like uh, funny, I guess. Uh, and Gonzo likes it, so that's great. Uh, so I didn't do any research, but you, Nathan, I've yes. looked into the history of this particular movie. you have anything you want to share? So some behind-the-scenes info about this movie. Uh, this is a really unique Muppet movie because of a few different things. Uh, it is... First of all, it's the sixth like main feature Muppets movie, uh, but it is the first movie they made after the death of Jim Henson. Okay, I did not know that. The, the first one to be like an original Muppet-focused 
plot. Yeah, not like not like they they did other stuff before that, but like the first major original Muppets movie after he died was Muppets from Space. Okay, that makes some sense out of some of the weirdness, um, which doesn't exist in the like parody ones because you know they're doing a different thing. Uh, they decided to take a really weird angle with it. I guess nineties, uh, like trying to frame some of the changes, like the lack of musical numbers. It's weird that in ninety nine they didn't want to do that because that would have been just off the tail end of the Disney Renaissance. Like musicals were still pretty popular in nineteen ninety nine, and we were a couple years away from Chicago winning Best Picture. So it just seems weird that they didn't want to do that, but maybe they didn't feel comfortable with it without Jim around. I don't know. This was the first original Muppet movie to be made after Jim Henson died. It was the last Muppet film written by Jerry Jewell prior to his death in 2005. He's one of the original crew. It's a very transitional. Yeah, it's a very transitory period for the Muppet. It's like the tail end of their like independent era and... Before Disney starts sniffing around them. Yeah, it's also, at the time, was their only non-musical original Muppet film. Early versions of this movie did have some musical numbers. It was, apparently, the idea originally was inspired by a solo song that Gonzo has in a, in a, the first Muppets movie. Yeah, he has a solo, solo song about... He has a solo where he sings about, like, not knowing what he is. Yeah. So it was inspired by that. There was going to be a like reprisal of that song in this movie originally, and then a, an original song that was written specifically for this movie. Do you have any info on why that got cut, or just part of the process? Well, there was originally a different uh, screenwriter attached to the movie. It was originally going to be a movie called Muppets in Space. Muppets in space and kermit was going to be abducted by aliens and the other muppets were going to have to travel into space to rescue him is it bad that i kind of want that movie that got drastically overhauled obviously they abduct kermit because they believe him to be their leader and so the other muppets have to save him that does sound like expensive like really expensive yeah, I can see why. So, uh, originally, that draft was written by Kirk Thatcher, who uh, was the original writer. There was actually one piece of merch designed and produced around this version of the story, which was a pair of Welch's jelly glasses. Do you have pictures? Unfortunately, no. No. Uh, I don't know how true this is. I couldn't find the original source for it. I want these glasses there's gonna be collector items like oh absolutely yeah i'm sure they are probably worth quite a bit to uh to collectors of muppet memorabilia if they exist yes so there are production notes on the dvd that talk about how the movie was inspired by i'm going to go back there someday from the muppet movie it's that is the number where he's like talking about how natural it is for him to like feel like flying yeah which I do think a reprise of that song would be helpful. Yeah, it probably would have fit really well. Like a sad cannon launch at the beginning of the movie 
would add a lot to this production because it just kind of starts with him coming downstairs that day and being sad. Yeah. Like, you know, a little, like there's the dream sequence, but another like beat before he talks to people about it might be nice. Yeah. So that draft never got produced. It was handed off to co-writer Joey Mazzarino. It's a great name who uh, talked in an interview in 2009 about how he left the project before shooting started because of all the changes that were made to the draft that he worked on. Wow, this sounds like a messy production. Yeah, it actually does sound like they had a lot of speed bumps. At least a messy pre-production. You don't think there's a lot of wiggle room in the actual production stage in these things? Like, because it's puppets, like, it has to be pretty solidly put down but it sounds like it took them a while to get here and it does kind of show so when Mazzarino was attached they were going to have Randall Kleiser direct the movie not the case in the final production known primarily for directing Grease I mean that would be fun his draft included parodies of Men in Black Contact and Alien Uh, But shortly before shooting began, they fired Kleiser from the project. uh, And then they hired Tim Hill, the man behind the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. You're going to have to be more specific. There's a couple of those? The SpongeBob SquarePants movie? I believe it was the the original SpongeBob SquarePants movie. That's actually a pretty solid little comedy. Uh, I grew up on that one. It's not that bad. His notable work includes... Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, the movie, and I think he's also uh, pretty involved in the TV show. Hop, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties, Max Keeble's Big Move. So, like. It's not great when the SpongeBob movies are best credit, like, by far. Uh, Except, I don't know. The first Alvin and the Chipmunks movie isn't completely awful. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. This is uh, one of the most interesting changes from this version of the movie is the ending was changed, um, which Mazzarino disliked. In Mazzarino's version of the script, the aliens are not actually Gonzo's family. They are a race of beings intercepting signals from episodes of The Muppet Show. And they assume that Gonzo is the ultimate being, so they shape themselves in his likeness when they come to Earth. So in the end of the movie, in this version, they reveal their original forms, and they're these, like, hideous alien monsters. Oh my god, that is a better (laughs) ending! So then Gonzo, like, just... He does, still doesn't know what he is, but he's happy because the Muppets are his family. I like that so much better. I don't know. I mean, I think it's funnier, for sure. Well, I think it's thematically better, because, like, the whole point of Gonzo's character is that he's unique. Yeah. So, like, like chalking all of his, like, unique traits, like loving being fired out of cannons to, like, his species is kind of, like, a little demoralizing. But, like, no, he's just, like, worshipped by a random space cult is very funny to me. It's very, like, um... Oh, what's the The Tim Allen movie. 
where there's Star Trek, but it's not Star Trek. It's the movie. Space. Oh, Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest. It's very Galaxy Quest. It's like those aliens who think that the TV show is real. Uh, I like that. That's very funny to me. The Thermians. The Thermians. It's very Thermian. Yeah, so you can see how a lot of the movie got reshaped uh, From over <laughs> over many, many different attempts. Um, I like that ending. <laughs> I don't know. I, I do think it's funnier. I think it maybe kind of robs the movie of some of its actual heart. Like, I think there's value to Gonzo making an actual difficult choice not to go with his birth family. I think you could achieve that if they don't reveal themselves till he rejects them. That that's fair yeah that could I think, work i think most of the heart is in the journey is in him longing for this thing and realizing he already had it yeah that, that is fair that's the bigger thing for me um plus i just like that that version references the muppet show because as is it's deeply unclear if that exists or not Kermit's on vacation. Gonzo does fire himself out of cannons for people's amusements. The electric mayhem is, you know, still the electric mayhem. They still do stuff. But Miss Piggy is working as an intern at a, like, UFO, like, at a chintzy UFO news station. So It's also heavily implied that the Muppets are, like dirt poor like there's a joke at the beginning of the movie that they're going to have bologna sandwiches for breakfast because they don't have enough food and then someone comes out and is like but we don't have any bread yeah (laughs) so they just have stacks of bologna yeah and like there's the joke where like kermit has to fix the entire house because like the painters didn't show up but oh, no, they did but animal bit one of them on the leg so they ran away yeah so like the house is in disrepair and they have no food kermit's fixing it himself yeah so it's unclear what the heck the situation is in this movie and i do wish there was like is the muppet show a thing isn't it a thing? Everything is very nebulous. Just need to know whether or not they're doing the Muppet Show. A thing in most of the movies is that they're yeah. either before they've set this up and like going to make the things, or like it's a completely alternate universe. And in this one, it's just somewhere in between. Yeah. Want to hear what other people thought of the movie? Sure do. So Muppets from Space, uh, Yona guess at the uh, budget for this movie i have no scale of how much this thing would cost like in 1999 for a muppet movie no like 10 million i'm not good at numbers you're not that far off so it costs 24 million to make okay yeah yeah 24 that makes sense i guess again i don't actually know what that means that's pretty conservative not a huge effects extravaganza yeah the effects in this movie range from real bad to surprisingly good there's there's like two or three major cg effects in this movie and the rest is just the gorgeous jim henson puppet work that reminds me of another fun fact oh yeah this was the first muppet movie to digitally remove the uh sticks from the manipulating the arms there is one shot where they miss one i remember it sticks out happens a couple times i think when it happens it sticks out more because it's like 
better removed in this one than the others. Besides the missing sticks, there's two major CG effects. Yeah. There is, at the end, the spaceship landing in the, like, egg thing. Like, there's a bunch of that, and that looks good. It transitions well into physical, like, models. It, it's fine. It's not, like, right home about it effects, but it's solid. And then earlier in the movie, there is door in a jar, which is like a goop that they throw on the wall and turns into a door. It's funny gag, but it looks so bad. The goop looks so bad. It's, it's funny because goop. the door is tiny. Yes, the door is very small. It's very funny. But the goop is bad. So 24 million was the budget. Million. Do you want to guess how much this movie made? <laughs> We're talking box office, not like... Um, yeah, gross, gross box office okay. worldwide. I would imagine this sold a fair amount of VHS copies, considering, like, neither of our families were, like, Muppet families, but we both had access to them. Uh, and I think lots of people did. Uh, but... I don't know, like, 30 mil? 22.3. Ooh, that is flop territory right womp, there. Womp. Ooh, that's bad. Yeah, it didn't make its budget back, which is disappointing. First step to the, like, mouse taking their heads, I'm guessing. It's gotta be one of them anyways. Uh, Roger Ebert gave the film two out of four stars. I mean, I think that's fair. Concluding that uh, maybe Muppets from Space is just not very good and they'll make a comeback. I hope so, because I just don't seem to care much anymore. Ouch. I mean, not the harshest thing he's said, but ouch. He seems pretty... Yeah, I, I read his whole review. He seems like just kind of done indifferent like kind of uh waxing nostalgic for earlier muppets movies that had more energy and i guess that's fair the late 90s was a rough period for children's entertainment there was a lot of just bland and not well put together in uh 2000 in an interview with ign frank oz described the film as not up to what it should have been yeah no I mean, I mean, it's fair. It's fair. It's not a great movie. I don't think it's... I think it's disappointing only because there are such great Muppet movies. It's probably also more disappointing for a generation that grew up with the original, like, Muppet show and the first Muppet movie in the 70s. Like, I'm sure people who grew up with all of that saw this movie and... We're probably pretty disappointed. Yeah. As an adult who can, like, understand movie structure and whatnot, it is a, like, patchy production. Whereas we watched the first Muppet movie not too long ago. For, like, the first time, I think, I've seen the whole thing in one sitting instead of, like, patchwork through a TV or whatever. And it's a really good movie. It's, it like, is. a solid film. Not just, like, a very funny comedy with Muppets. It's just, like, yeah. a good movie. It's, like, a re it's a really heartfelt tight. kind of buddy road movie that's, like, nice, tightly structured and has lots of great comedy. We'll talk about it another time. Yeah, we'll get to that one. The point being, it's very good it's and it holds up. So, like, and a lot of the other Muppet movies are just good. Like, yeah. solidly put together good films. And the ones that are sometimes weaker in the, like, filmmaking, like, spots have enough good comedy to kind of push them through. This one's a little reliant on pop culture references, and it's a little hollow at times, and it kind of feels it. Yeah. There's a big, there's a lot of close encounters in this, 
which I've seen and you haven't, which is weird because he's the film major. Uh, I saw it in theaters with my mother a while ago, which was a weird experience. Um, but like, there's the Gonzo sculpted out of butter that mm-hmm. one lady brings, and there's like the whole end sequence with like Jeffrey Tambor being taken away by the aliens is just the end of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but with Muppets, <laughs> which. The Close Encounter aliens being Muppets would make very little of that movie different, to be honest. Because they only show up for, like, five minutes. Spoilers for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Also, spoilers for Muppets from Space, sorry. Yeah, we can add a spoiler tag to the intro. Spoiler for this movie that came out in 1999 and isn't really, like, the best thing. Uh, So, like, what would you give it? If you had to rate it. It's pretty it's pretty mid-level. Um, there's a lot of good humor in it, but overall it doesn't always hold together. If it's going to age worse, I think, as it goes on. Like, I'll, I'll tell you one thing about the first one. It didn't age bad, really. There's very little about that movie that's, like, super 70s. Like, there's some but it's not, like, weird to watch it. Whereas this one's got some stuff in it that it's going to be kind of weird. Like Like the Dawson's Creek reference that was so dated even to us that we, like, had to look it up because we were sure it was a reference and couldn't place it. It's so pointed. It's so pointed. (laughs) I mean, also, Pepe is hitting on Katie Holmes in that scene. I don't think we actually mentioned that. Pepe as a character has always been kind of an odd one, though. Oh, yeah. This is also the first feature Muppets feature movie with Pepe the Prawn in it. Oh, is it? Well, it kind of shows he's there a lot. Oh, and another another uh, tidbit that I forgot to bring up is um, this is the first movie that Scooter is in following the death of the original voice actor. Oh, Scooter is barely in this movie. He is there for like two seconds. He is, he is voiced by the original voice actor's brother in this for his brief appearance. They probably didn't want to push it because people would notice. Yeah. Um, Scooter is very underserved. Uh, other Muppets that I love that are not in this movie nearly enough are Ralph. <laughs> Ralph is barely in this movie, and it makes me sad. I don't think Janice is in it at all. Yes, uh, Richard Hunt was the original Scooter, and Adam Hunt, his younger brother, voices him in this movie. Reminds me of Tom Hanks' brother, who does all of his voice recording stuff when he doesn't want to. Which, we're going to have to do an entire episode about how I want the Muppet Show to come back. Just the Muppet Show, like it used to be in the 70s and 80s. Where it was, where it's just like a celebrity guest show, because I think that could work so well. And Disney has so much money, and like the streaming service would be great for. It. We'll we'll get on that in a different thing. But you know what? I don't think we found the Rainbow Connection this time. I think we can try again with another Muppet project. Uh, we'll have to do another episode. Because you know. Someday we'll find it. The Rainbow Connection. Alright, that's it for us. Peace. Lovers and dreamers. You can find me on Twitter at Bert Nerdtram. And you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Kenzie Phoenix. You can find us on Twitter at MuppetsPod with an S and email us 
uh, at MuppetsPod at gmail.com. The intro and outro music for the show was recorded by Alex Conwell. And is a cover of The Rainbow Connection. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Someday we'll find it. The Rainbow Connection. You'll have to get better at your Kermit impression, babe.